Välkommen till Freuds Toolbox, skolans inspirationspodd med fokus på känslor, relationer, lärande och ledarskap. Tillsammans med Kenneth Freud får du inspireras av och lära av nationellt och internationellt ledande experter på evidensbaserat lärande och ledarskap. Hi everyone, in today's episode we will talk about learning and well-being in our schools and from a very specific perspective we will talk about feelings in education and to do that I have two guests that I have learned a lot from and will learn much more and it's my honor and privilege to introduce to you uh, the head of school at Willow School in Los Angeles, Lisa Rosenstein, and uh, a teacher and leader of their ruler team. You will know more about ruler later, Lily Solomon. Please welcome so much. Hello, thanks. Well, thanks for having us. Thank Ken. you, everybody. We're looking forward to helping everybody become healthier and have a greater sense of well-being. Good. I would like to start sort from a, a general uh, or generic perspective. If we talk about feelings in education, uh, why should we talk about or work with feelings in education? Uh, you, you will get sort of three questions in one and talk about it as you like. Why feelings in education and possible benefits that we could have from it? And how, how can it help students or can it maybe help uh, teachers, staff as well or why? So I'll start why I feel that it's so important is that we know, and the research bears this out, that when kids feel secure and they feel in touch with themselves, they're better ready to learn. That if they're anxious, if they're down, if they're distracted, if they're too excited, that oftentimes they can't really learn to, in the best possible way. So we felt that when they can identify and understand their feelings, they can have greater insight to be, have more agency for their own learning. So I definitely feel it's important to have kids understand their feelings and to understand what they need to do to get themselves in the right place to learn. I've also worked with Lily for a long time, both as a student and a teacher. And we've learned over time that also when teachers understand their feelings, they can be a better teacher as well. So it's not only for the students, but also for the teachers to best help them have that insight. Like if they're having a hard day, what they might need to do to shift to regulate their feelings, to best help the children learn. And then Lily, you want to talk about it from in the classroom? Yeah, um, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And and as the as a teacher, you know, you spend so much time throughout the day helping your students deal with social conflicts, regulate their emotions, um, anything that comes up at home. And 
by teaching them and weaving it into what you're already doing into the curriculum and giving them the tools, it actually helps as a teacher, your data run more smoothly and to be able to address your entire class rather than helping individual students on a one-to-one -one basis. Of course, you still have to do that, but why not give them the tools ahead of time to help them regulate and work through it independently as well? Yeah. Uh, but would you say that you also sort of have benefits from an academic point? Can they sort of perform better study outcome? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at reading comprehension, um, looking at social emotional learning while reading literature helps the students to gain inferential understanding and really connect to the characters, understanding character motivation, um, gaining perspective, really understanding what the characters are going to going through and relating it to their own lives and the world around them, which is really the depth of learning that you want to achieve um, with reading. Yeah, uh, I have had the opportunity to visit your school for a week then, and, and I was so impressed by sort of the level of metacognition. And for, for learning, you need to have a lot of thinking in the classroom and, and you could sort of hear and see that because the way they were reflecting your students were at such level. And I also had them always connect to use feeling words and connect to their feelings or other feelings or in the text or or whatever it was so so many perspectives they used it is that sort of uh, is that uh, for other causes it is it connected to your work with, with feelings that increases sort of their literacy or their their level of metacognition or is it a number of mechanisms well i think it's a primary uh a foundational skill that we want them to have that helps them, yeah. but you do need to have many other um, drivers, so to speak, in the learning program. I think one of the things that's so key is that when children feel safe in expressing their emotions and there's a safety, that helps the learning as well. So that metacognition makes it easier because kids feel that they have a teacher that they can go to, a teacher that is receptive to them, that can be a sign of support. So I think that it's that overall school culture that works. I think the other part is the alliance we have with parents who are here with us working together and saying, we think it's important to acknowledge how our children feel. I, I know you said we're going to get into the ruler approach yeah. later. But one of the key parts to that is helping kids learn to regulate their emotions. So when they're regulated, they can have greater access to information and develop their cognitive skills. The other day, Lily was presenting and was talking about the correlation between Bloom's taxonomy and the work that we're doing using character development, looking at themes in literature, and really helping the kids develop that deeper sense of learning. And also, I think what this does is that's so key is it helps them understand nuance and really helps them become deep thinkers and not just be able to give you back the concrete information that you're looking for. And we start this at a very young age 
And I think kids are able to do that. So it further develops and their vocabulary has become increasingly sophisticated. Yeah, because I, I visited quite a lot of schools worldwide and a number in US as well. But I have I've never seen this level of sort of the discussions, the way they work, the way they talk, how sophisticated it is. So that, but I, I've never experienced another school working with the ruler approach like you do either. So that's why I wondered if it was connected to that or you're just extremely good at literacy and working with metacognition in general. I, I think it's a combination because... Lily was a student here before we implemented Roller. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear what you think as you reflect back as a student and as a teacher. And even when you started as a teacher, we just began Roller, I believe. So it would be interesting to hear Lily's viewpoint on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, to think back on my education at the Willows was I only fond memories. I had an amazing education and we've always really looked at the whole child and really see everything. And from the point of a community, how are we relating to one another? How are we affecting one another? And how are we connecting our learning to the real world? That's always existed. Um, but had maybe I had ruler when I was a student, I think it would have helped in many ways that I see with my students in terms of test taking and able to take on adversity, um, abilities to collaborate and work with one another in a classroom, um, and then have empathy towards other members of the community, you know, younger students, older students, and parents. Um, so I got tidbits of that being part of such a community-driven school, but Ruler definitely, I think, enhanced the work that we were already doing. Yeah, interesting. So I think it's time to get into the Ruler so people will know what we're talking about uh, I mean, you're experts on this strategy, the ruler approach, that is uh, uh, one strategy for social emotional learning. Uh, but can you briefly explain sort of the, the basics about ruler? What is the ruler? I'm going to let you do that because Lily is the leader of our team and she is doing an excellent job of bringing on our new faculty to understand ruler, working with our parents and also keeping our faculty engaged who have been doing this work now going almost 10 years. So I'm gonna let her explain. Thank you. Um, so Ruler is a social emotional approach from the Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence. And Ruler stands for, it's an acronym, standing for uh, recognize, understand, label, experience, and regulating emotions. And they do, they teach this with a, four really core tools that really help to identify and recognize and then end up regulating emotions. The first tool is a mood meter, which uh, uh, measures emotions on an X, Y axis with pleasantness and energy using color, quadru color quad quadrants, um, which really helps our young students and really any student relate or any yeah, or anyone relate to the emotion. So if you're high energy and high pleasantness, you're in the yellow. And those my emotions might be happy, excited, elated, enthusiastic. Lower energy and high pleasantness, you're now in the green, which could be calm, zen, relaxed, relaxed, serene, um, content. 
Um, lower pleasantness and low energy is in the blue. So that would be emotions of loneliness, sadness, um, boredom, and then high energy, but low pleasantness, you have emotions in the red, which are angry, you know, furious, anxious, but also passionate, passionate and brave and um, courageous. So there's a lot of nuances with the colors, but it really helps students to identify while they're gaining the nuance in language. Um, another tool is the charter, which kind of serves to replace the classroom rules. So we see that when you give students or really anyone rules, they become pretty black and white and easy to break, um, especially when students don't really understand where they came from. So the charter serves as a classroom contract where students collaboratively think about how they wanna feel consistently throughout the day. And then specific behaviors and actions they can take to ensure that they and their peers feel that way. Um, and then they sign the charter and they, they code us up on the wall as kind of a living, breathing document that's edited throughout the year and is referred to. So students really, or really anyone who has a charter or the faculty, staff, you know, people in a workplace, families, families everybody has kind of agency over it and they recognize how they want to feel and how their, you know, their peers want to feel and how they can uphold that and really understand why. Um, a next tool is the meta moment, um, which is an incredible way to look at how we can react thoughtfully. So a meta moment is the moment between being triggered and responding, where you really want to stop and pause to think about your best self and how your best self would react. And we see this with really across the board, students being able to learn how to take a meta moment on with friends on the yard, when approached with something challenging in the classroom, when dealing with family, really anything that would elevate your emotions or aggravations and cause you to react in an undesirable way. And then the last tool is the uh, blueprint, which is a perspective taking tool that we use um, to gain empathy during a conflict. So you really are able to kind of map out like an emotional blueprint of what happened for you, what happened for the other party, how you feel, how they feel, and how we can gain empathy and perspective to come to a, con a solution together. And we use this with literature, really diving into character dynamics. We use it with moments in history to understand different perspectives in war or conflict. Um, and also when children have conflict. Yes. Mm. Um, so those are really the four main tools that we implement with Ruler. And we practice them as adults. Um, we lead families through them so they can be implemented at home. And then, of course, we teach them in the classroom. Kenneth, I want to yeah. add something to where I when you ask the question about um, our school and community, as Lily said, I think we always had a commitment to social emotional learning and to the whole child and their well-being to working with families but this gives us a universal approach and a universal language and i think that's really key when you think about what's happening when everybody in your community acknowledges the value and the importance of this work you're you're all working in a similar fashion. And I think the beauty of Ruler is it's broad. So people can have come from a different point of view, 
but their their point of view can be acknowledged. And if they use it with their family, fine. We had one boy went to says, well, when I'm at home, it's different. And when I'm at school, I do this. But there's an acknowledgement of different people have different ways of handling their emotions and what are healthy ways that we can all work together to, with the regulation and understanding that moves a community forward. Hmm. So I think maybe that's what you've been picking up. Yeah, I think so too. And that was uh, somewhat of an answer to my next question, actually, because I was, I was wondering, uh, I mean, I visit many, I think every school works with social emotional learning and many schools I talk to say, why should I, why should we do a new strategy? Because we're good at it already. And I think it sounds like you were quite good at social emotional learning before you started the ruler as well. So why did you start with the ruler? I'll tell you, I started with it because what I think we did not do enough of is to acknowledge the regulation. I, I think that's what was missing. And we we could acknowledge feelings. We weren't as sophisticated. We didn't pay as much attention to the nuance. We did different ways of conflict resolution. Um, but the regulation is what was different for me. And it, it just resonated with me. I have to be honest. I wish I had this tool when I was raising our children. <laughs> I, I think I would have been a better parent. Um, you know, if I had that language and I, I, I felt that because I had teachers that were resistant. Oh, Lisa, why do we need to do this? We, you know, we already do this. And I said, I'm telling you, this is different. Think about it. And then some of my um, most ardent um, or loud voices, so to speak, who were not on board are now some of the biggest cheerleaders. And they've seen the difference in their own lives. And I think that really makes a difference because you have a strategy. And I'm not familiar with other programs, so I can't speak to them. But this one just really resonated with us because it, it gives breath to different schools using it in different ways. Lily and I work with how many other schools from Yale? 10 or 12 spotlight schools, <clears throat> all different kinds of schools, different school communities. And I find we're always learning from each other how we can better use these tools to gain greater insight into our parents and children, even from a diversity perspective, culturally. It, it's just a forum to really not to build different camps, but to build consensus. Mm. Yeah, I, I also feel that when we think, I mean, for me as a student, I remember like, you think that you're being guided in social emotional learning. Like, as adults, we think that we're helping students with and children and with their social emotional learning. But I think we often tell them how they're feeling um, and we don't really help guide them on the nuances to help mm -hmm. them That's understand. And so the whole kind of 
overarching message of the ruler approach is really to be an emotion scientist and be curious about the students' emotions, have them come to tell you. Because as adults will say, oh, you're feeling sad. Oh, you're feeling frustrated. Um, and they don't develop the ability to really stop and think about how they how they are feeling and how that's coming across. So I think many people think that they're doing social emotional learning, but really maybe they're telling the student how to feel. Yeah. Or, or not allowing for the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. True. So uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable yeah. because we had that. Even we've been doing this for 10 years, close to 10 years. We're starting our 10-year anniversary in the fall. But we noticed, Lily brought up, that when we looked at the, the littlest, like our pre-K, and they were talking about their charter, and they said they wanted to be able to go ahead, you Yeah. Well, they said they wanted to feel happy and safe and loved at school. But then they also said that they wanted to have the space, they wanted to be given the space to feel grumpy or sad when they need to. Mm. And for, you know, these are five-year-olds yeah. being able to say, I need space to feel sad right now. Yeah. And please don't change that. I mean, what a gift to give them. And yeah. also it's okay, it's yeah. right? It's okay because... You know, I know as a parent, they my kids would feel sad. Okay, you feel sad. All right, let's move on, you know. And we have a hard time with those feelings that are uncomfortable. And this gives everybody a universal language. And I think that's so important for children to have and for the adults in our community. Yeah. Uh, you talked about 10 years with the ruler. That is uh, sort of... Next question for me, because many schools, they find a strategy they want to apply and implement, and they can have key people really good at that. And still they are struggling with sort of whole school implementation. And in the next step, if they have implemented to maintain sort of the quality of the practice, but you seems to sort of succeed with both those parts. Can you have your ideas? Why, why can you continue being successful in in how you do it. I'm curious to hear what Lily says, <laughs> and then I'll tell you what I think. But you know, it, it's always interesting from the point of view of the faculty and then the point of view of the school leadership or the administration. Yeah. Um, so over the course of the you know nine to 10 years, I feel like we went kind of through a journey where we started off with implementing it. And it did feel a little regimented. Yeah. Um, then kind of once you got we got the hang of it, we moved into being able to implement it with more ease. It became kind of more familiar, more top of mind. It didn't, didn't feel like so much uh, like an additional work to put it into, mm -hmm. it into place. So you made it and, your own instead of sort of following a manual. Then. Right. And that's really when we started to be able to tailor it towards the needs of our students, the needs of our faculty and community, make it our own, get creative with it. And then from there, you know, after those, you know, that year or so, then we were really able to integrate it into our curriculum and it kind of become woven into our, our fab fibers. But um, one of the, I think the key things is practicing what you preach. So keeping it top of mind of the faculty to also realize, have that moment where they see that it's so beneficial for them as well. You know, if we if I, we lead our faculty in co-regulation strategies and we lead our faculty in 
taking meta moments in their personal lives, they can see the benefit and it really comes to life for them. Um, and having an, a, an implementation team, I think has really been a driving force of being a support system to the faculty and also kind of keeping it top of mind and offering a structure and accountability. I, I think for me, I believe in this work so deeply that that the passion we have for it at Willows keeps the fuel going. It, it's like any part of the curriculum, right? When you believe in children, when you see the spark go off, when they learn to read, when they come up with an interesting idea, when you read a piece of their poetry or you hear them present, all those sparks keep the keep it ignited. And I think this work just helps us get deeper and deeper into the learning, but also into human development and helping children build close connections. Recently, we were thinking back on COVID and how what an isolated time that could be for many. And I think the fact that we had done all this ruler work helped us not even question, and the faculty here work so hard to stay connected to their students. That was part of the foundation. So I feel that when you see the benefit of the work, that also helps you keep being propelled. And the, the other part for us as a community, we also at one time worked with Yale pre-COVID to do teacher training. And I think that also helped us as a school see the benefits that other people were learning. And even when your school came and shared with us and we then came and shared with your school, we could see even internationally how the humanity between us is so important and we all can gain in this work together. So I think that that's also a driver. I'll also add that Lisa brought this to the school with such enthusiasm, like complete buy-in from her. She came to us and she said, this is amazing work. We're going to do it. And we all followed suit. You know, They some, really didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> but to have a leader who really believed in it and hmm. kind of kept it top of mind. Lisa did an amazing job of like, Thank of you. bringing it up in ways and really being a support and cheerleader for the faculty hmm. to buy into this because she believed in it so heavily. Look, it helped me as a person. Um, when we did the co-regulation work that Robin Stern, Dr. Robin Stern, uh, had a, a lesson basically, because we do team teaching. Or even, and we talked about the co-regulation between teachers. When I can identify, excuse me, when I can identify um, my strategies and what I have to work on, and then it helps us have greater understanding across the board. When we talk about how the administration has to work on co-regulation, how teachers have to do it, we do it as an exercise together. 
I, I think it makes for a stronger community. I would say one thing that I could see your experience when we visited your school that we talked about when we were there as well. I mean, in, in research about how you would get really good study outcomes, one of the top three factors is collective efficacy. Then it's about teacher collective efficacy. But at your school, I saw sort of two parts of that that I've never experienced. For the first, I saw the highest I've ever experienced in any school anywhere. Uh, if you looked at teacher efficacy, collective efficacy. But I saw the same among the students. And when I interviewed students, I could talk to anyone at the school about the ruler and what it uh, meant and how would you do it, how did they use it, was it beneficial. And small kids can answer, the older kids, anyone could talk. It seems like a, not a teacher or student, like a whole school collective efficacy. And that, that felt like this a strong factor as well to maintain it. But then the follow-up question is, of course, how can you get such high collective efficacy? What do you do to make that happen? We are working in my school. We're trying as much as we can. We know we will get good results if we have high collective efficacy. So we, I think we're pretty good, but we are sort of a... It's a number of divisions between us. You're, you're so much higher. We are sort of in sports there in ice hockey. We are like division three, but good top division three. And you're sort of uh, the professional league. I, I think we've been doing it a long time. And I think we, we have gone through stages. Um, for me, being the founding head of the school, I think that there was a certain philosophy started from the very beginning. And um, I think that there's real consensus amongst all of the administration how important this work is. You know, Jim Collins wrote the book From Good to Great. And he talked about if you're not on my bus, you have to get off my bus. Uh, that's kind of simplistic. Mm. But there have been times when people have realized this is not the place for them. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's such a core value that if you can't embrace it, it, it's like, this is how we teach reading, how we teach math. You have to be reflective. You have to see how you're going to integrate it into your program. It's become part of our DNA, but I've often said, it's also like exercise. Some of us do exercise more regularly than others. Yeah. You get to a certain part when you exercise, then when you need to work on another muscle group or you need to go to the next level. I think this is similar. You have to think about, we're starting it this way. People are coming with their own emotional intelligence at different levels to keep mm -hmm. on going and you're going to get better and it, it's it's going to rise, but you have to be patient with yourself. And if someone is really not on your bus, then you know they might need to find their their own bus. Yeah, I don't know if that's helpful or not. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I think to kind of piggyback off of that, we we kind of looked at it like if our students graduate our school and they can't read and they can't write and they can't compute 
then what are we doing, right? We have to look. Think, think, and they're not thinkers. We kind of put social, emotional, like emotional regulation at the same level. If our students leave and they're not empathic, regulated, um, collaborative, then what are we doing? And we need to relook at that. So it was held at the highest of importance um, from our leadership. Um, and it kind of just led to this community buy-in where it was looked at as, as just as important, if not more than, you know, academic skills. Yeah. So if you would give advice to to schools that would like to start applying and use the ruler, if you could sort of summarize a few key advice to, to become successful on long term, to have it sort of sustainable. I'm curious to what Lily would say again. Um, she's in the trenches in a very different way than I am, and she hears from the faculty. So I think that that part could be very helpful. Um, I think in terms of faculty kind of buy-in and inspiration, I think first and foremost, a leadership that keeps it top of mind kind of is so enthusiastic about it. It, it, You know, it does trickle down. And in terms of the faculty buy-in, I think practicing it on a personal level, you really get to see the benefit. So having faculty plot themselves on a mood meter, um, having you know time to talk about moments that maybe they could have benefited from regulation. I don't know, if, you know, holidays with family or dealing with you know stress stresses. Yeah. Getting once you kind of have the moment to see like, wow, this is is really helpful for my me it kind of gives you the creativity to see how you can be helpful with your students with it rather than looking at it like so programmatic, which really it should it should be looked at as an approach. Um, so giving the agency to teach it in the way yeah. that works for the teacher um, and really reach the students rather than having it be a, a check mark to you know cross off your list. I, I think you have to be patient with yourself. Uh, And I think, I do believe passion is contagious. And I think when teachers see what their students bring to it, it builds onto itself, that enthusiasm, that excitement, and allowing teachers time to share so that they can then see what worked for me, this might work for you. It helps build that collective community. I, I also think that when you encourage them and if they make a mistake or they're not quite certain that you let that be okay and that you just use that as a learning experience. I I really believe we're working, I had this conversation with a parent the other day, when you're working with children, you have to have, you you can have expectations, but their timeframe might be different than your timeframe. And we have to be able to go down different paths at the same time and look that we're all going to intersect at the very highest level of compassion and understanding when we let people move at their pace. And I think that that's important. And we try to do that. I, I hope that helps you. I just think passion 
spills in such a positive way. And you just have to keep it going. Good. Yeah. And I think like if we're looking at data, you know, yeah. of course, we talk about it helps students, you know, with test taking strategies, it helps them deeper with, you know, deeper literacy. But our biggest data is that our students love coming to school. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is really being seen as a in a person with feelings and their social conflicts. They're it's okay to work them out in class because if we tell them you have to forget about it, it's time for math, it's on their mind. And really giving them the tool to be a human at school rather than, you know, a cog in a machine, I think makes them love coming to school. And that's what that's the goal. That's so excellent. I think that is perfect uh, final advice to every listener and really, really hope that there's many both teachers and school leaders that listen to this. I'm a school leader myself, so I think this is perfect advice for me. So I think uh, key persons to listen to this is really school leaders to help their school making this school-wide <coughs> school ruler team like, like you do. Could have you like a role model. So I think it's so, so great. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Kenneth, I want to yes. say, I, I think school leaders also need to be really good to themselves and patient. I think we as school leaders often, you know, we, we, we're so, not that the teachers aren't committed, but committed in a different way, or our responsibility is different. And I, I was thinking about this recently, and I was going to talk to Mark Brackett about this. And Robin, I have a thought about how to really help school leaders implement ruler into their lives in a different way because of the stresses that they're under. So to all the school leaders that are out there, I, I think if you can be patient with yourselves and look for ways to rejuvenate um, because the work that you're doing is so important and it's often lonely in a very different way. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge and then to come up with some strategies because we, we are the generators and the fuel to help the faculty. And I think it's great work, but we have to nurture ourselves as well. Thank you so much. I think that was an excellent finish and good for every school leader to hear. And thank you so much, both of you, Lilia and Lisa. Thank, thank you for you. inviting us to join. Yeah, thank you, Kenneth.